The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, good evening everyone. It is a Thursday night. Didn't we get the football world uh, talking on Monday night? Kim Hagdon, of course, with a couple of significant stories. One involving St Kilda pair, as we know, Paddy Ryder and Brad Hill, who, by the way, are in the squad to play this week. Brad's got over his personal reasons and Paddy Ryder was managed, managed against Sydney. But, of course, uh, Kim Hagdon came out with the story that they were involved with a in an altercation. Anyway, St Kilda came out the following day, Brett Ratton, the coach, uh, and tried to put everything to bed. And, of course, hasn't the Luke Jackson story grown, particularly from a West Coast Eagles point of view? Nick Natanui was up at the press conference tomorrow, and guess what the journos ran with, asking him questions about what would it be like if Luke Jackson ended up at the West Coast Eagles. All unveiled uh, in more concrete and more definitive news on Monday night with a man that's just sitting across the desk because he joins us on a Thursday night. It's footy team selections night. Kim Hagdorn, good evening to you, Haggis. G'day, Peter. G'day, everybody. Look, uh, yeah, the Luke Jackson uh, story has become just a, a massive story. It's 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 the biggest one in the AFL at the moment. Yeah. But, but it now sort of dovetails into other contractual circumstances, you know, the massive announcement today, the, the, just the, the monster contract for Clayton Oliver. I reckon $7 million over seven years. Yeah. See that? Well, 2030. That's only, uh, bear with me here, Peter. I'm talking about the sort of money that you're on. Uh That's, that's only a million a year for near on. And I think Clayton Oliver, I've got him at this stage leading the Brownlow. So he has to finish the season. And I think Clayton Oliver could well win the Brownlow. Mm. He's my he's my leading candidate right now, and I've got him for twenty four votes across the season. So that's only a million a year, but the likes of the Luke Jackson deal for a twenty year old, you'd have to look at something similar six, seven, eight years for a twenty year old at more than a million a year because to entice him to leave Melbourne Town and Melbourne Footy Club. Wherever he's going, he's coming back to West Australia. If he moves, yeah. you're going to have to pay more than a million bucks for okay. that. So here's so, the, here's the so, question. And you're going to have to put him on long term. He's not going to take a short term two or three years back at West Coast or Fremantle. All right. Uh, from a Melbourne perspective, they've now got Clayton Oliver on a seven-year deal yep. and they've got Christian Petrarca on a seven-year deal. His expires in 2029. If they want to keep Luke Jackson, they've probably got to offer him as well a seven-year deal. Have they got the capabilities, Melbourne, to offer something like that when you've got Oliver and Petrarca already on long-term deals getting a big slice of the pie? Two things. The Oliver and Petrarca deals, I, I don't know. I'm not their manager. Yeah. And I, I don't have you know, really personal connections with their manager for them to to confide this to me. I'd be surprised if they're not heavily back-ended sorts of contracts because they'd be, they're, they're marketable. They're, they're, that's a business proposition to keep those two boys at the Melbourne organisation for the rest of this decade. Now, so Luke Jackson thinks, well, they're back-ended and Melbourne could then go to Jack, Luke Jackson and say, look, you, you, we know you're getting a heck of a lot of pressure from West Coast and Fremantle. And just on that, Fremantle seem to think they're in the front running with them and West Coast, and I'm surprised at why they would feel that way because Melbourne would also be aware, well, if you're going to go, Luke, we're going to get a damn good trade back for you, a first-round draft pick, a first-round, uh, their first-round pick for next year, for instance. So, But Jackson might take a short-term deal two or three years at Melbourne where it like can be... Like Tim hef- English did at the Bulldogs. Yes, 
Tim English is a bit different though because Tim English will be a, a unrestricted, sorry, a restricted free agent in two years' time. Luke's not anywhere near mm-hmm. that. He's only mm-hmm. in his third year, so he's got another five years to go before he's a, a restricted free agent. If that system stays as is, they could offer him a heck of a lot of money for 2023-24, knowing full well that Clayton Oliver and and uh, Petrarca aren't anywhere near as much, that their contracts are going to grow. That's why I say they're back-ended. So they get the biggest part of this 7 or $8 million in the latter part of this decade as they approach the, the end of their careers, the likes of Petrarca and Oliver. So that that's a consideration with the Luke Jackson one. That's why uh, I, I continue to think that he's going to get a damn good offer. But by the likes of Oliver's deal today and Petrarca's existing deal, Pete, it does tend to indicate that Luke Jackson is not going to get a very, very big offer from Melbourne, no, which other, makes it more likely he could well take the massive offer to come here. Does he want to go to West Coast? As I've been told, he's, he's said to Fremantle people he's not keen to be part of a six-year rebuild. West Coast won't take that long to rebuild, and West Coast will be selling that to him as well. They'll be saying, no, no, we, we, we expect to be back in the eight within a couple of seasons. And part of it will be, a big part of it will be, because you're leading the ruck. It's interesting also with Melbourne, because they've got a couple of other players, not as high profile mm-hmm. as the likes of Petrarca and Oliver. But the Christian Salem and Bailey Fritch both signed five-year deals that takes them through to 2026. So well, there Fritch, you go. well, again, I think Fritch and Salem are also marketable. They're, 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 it's like when Nick Natanui had a five-year deal mm. at a million dollars a year. I mean, the, the, he helps sell seats and he helps sell uh, apparel. He sell, helps sell the merchandising and he helps sell them as, as an image uh, with a brand image. So they're worth it. And I reckon certainly Fritch, he's someone that's worth that for a longer period of time. But they wouldn't be massive deals, Peter. They, they, if they've sold them for a long time, they're probably looking at the guarantee of – Four or five hundred a year for five or six years makes them a two and a bit million dollar player, but they're not getting anywhere near the huge money that the huge playing, the huge game winning players are going to get. Okay, give us your thoughts on the temper of bedshed text line 0487 736 736. That's the temper at bedshed text line, or give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota open line 13 12 55. 13 12 55. If you want to get on board with that, it's just interesting that the uh, Giants have got five players on long-term contracts and then followed by Carlton, who've got who, four. Who are one or two of the Giants? So we're talking the Greater Western Sydney. Yeah, with Josh Kelly, of course, is there till 2029, eight-year I, deal. I, I think the Josh Kelly one at 229, Petrarca at 229, and now Clayton Oliver at 2030. Mm. I think they're the only three in the AFL with contracts for that lengthy period of time. Yeah. I think anyone else is anywhere near Well, Lockie, Lockie Whitfield has got a seven-year deal. Till when? Till 2027 Yeah, at the GWS Giants. And they've got Toby Green until 2026. He signed a six-year deal. We know that Stephen Cornelio signed a seven-year deal. Yeah. He's there until 2026. So there's some significant contracts when it comes to the Giants. And we know, see, now and again I've heard people sort of say, oh, certain clubs can't afford to pay the sort of money that uh, the big power clubs can the thing is, with payments, they're guaranteed by the AFL. <laughs> $15 million a year in salary cap, that's the figure now. And as soon as they get a new broadcast rights, the MOU that the players are going to want is going to be a very significant pay rise. So let's say it goes up to 18 or $20 million a year. 
Some I've heard some commentators say, oh, you know, certain clubs, North Melbourne can't afford to pay the same as what West Coast can because they're not as rich as West Coast. <laughs> the salary cap is guaranteed yeah. by the AFL. Every club gets the same amount and you're only allowed to spend that. So the AFL overrides that, overwrites that with the broadcast rights. One question before we move on, uh, because we've got plenty to discuss. I thought... You know, post-COVID, mm-hmm. we had seen the end of the long-term deal. You know, the seven-year deals. I I was talking actually to Peter Sumich on radio last season, and he was saying, Peter, I'd be very surprised if we see those big, massive deals because of the financial hit that a lot of clubs in the AFL what, what, did get. Why? I mean, it's easy to say that, but why? I See, I think certain a certain one or two players that your organisation of the time decide – I think wisely that this guy helps us fill our business. It is a corporate move to have you locked into us year after year. We can plan for the next four or five or six. A business plan for Melbourne has to be to stay in premiership contention for the next four or five years. We, we, jag, we did, They didn't jag one. They got one last year. Historic. A little bit against the grain. I didn't think Melbourne could win the premiership, you know, from uh, even about this time last year. I thought, no, nah, no, nah, they'll fall over there, Melbourne. Mm. But they've got players there. They've got an organisation. Mark Williams there behind it, particularly Alan Richardson running the football department. That's the model that's going to help you stay in contention. A really good football manager, a football boss, good assistant coaches, around a coach that can, can sell the club. So I can see I, – I, I'm surprised you say that you don't have any. Some clubs – have have one or two that they can they can they can build the business around for the next four or five years, and the core of the business is contending for the premiership. Yeah, fair call, fair call. Understand that, but we even balked at the Buddy Franklin deal when it was signed, and here again, he's been, I, I, that was always oh, on. There was a lot of people, a lot of conjecture saying, "Will he be able to play out but nine years?" He, look, that's right. And so the the last year of that, he well, the last two years, he's thirty four and thirty five by then. He won't last. However. He made Sydney's books very healthy for the next two. So he went there at the end of 2013, remember? He played in that premiership team with Hawthorne and then went and played from 2014 onwards. And I think he's now split his career evenly between Hawthorne and Sydney. The point being there is from the moment he was going there, they filled their membership. Their their tills just couldn't stop. Franklin's coming. And it's still the same every year. And even with him considering playing for next year, as much of it would be part of the business plan, Peter, we sell the Sydney cricket ground a lot easier if Franklin's playing it full forward. So Josh Kelly's eight-year deal at GWS Giants... I think is over the top. I personally think because he's not. But they a had to stop him going. See, GW, but, but he's not going to. Uh, he's not going to get the, the membership rolling. Josh Kelly, Dustin no. Martin will. Okay. Not Josh Kelly. Okay. He won't. But but Justin Martin wouldn't go to the to the Western Sydney organisation if they weren't going to contend in some way. So they they needed to keep some of those prize recruits that they'd got through the privileged draft. Ke- uh, Kelly was one. Kelly's part of a very special deal though. His manager, Paul Connors, the same with Andrew Gaff. They have a clause in their contracts. Oh, we'll, yeah, we'll sign for a long period of time and we'll go public with that. They have clauses very strong, very on, much on page one. If they ever want to leave their organisation, that club can't stop them going. Okay, uh, a couple of uh, SMSs on the temperate bedshed text line. Get on uh, right now, 0487 736 736. This is from Paul, I think down in Margaret River. Do you really believe West Coast will be back in the eight within two or three years? Yeah. I think they are no chance. That's according to Paul. Absolutely. West Coast, and I hark back to 2010 especially, and in 2010 when West Coast had finished last, last, Peter, 
And Peter Sumich as assistant coach and John Worsfold as coach were hauled into Trevor Nisbet's office and he opened the discussion with, if it wasn't you two as West Coast Eagles greats, Mm -hmm. I'd be sacking you here now. You've got one more year. You've got one more year each on your contract and I'm not prepared to even talk about any extensions until we see how 2011 goes. Now, they bounced back straight away, straight away, and didn't change the list much. The big changes to the list were Andrew Gaff picked at number four. They, they, they drafted cleverly Jack Darling as a priority pick at number 26, Scott Lysett at pick 27, Jeremy McGovern as a rookie at, 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 at pick 44 in the rookie draft. Didn't play until 2014. They bounced back straight away without changing the list much. They changed their approach. They got them fitter, healthier, hungrier over the course of the summer and the summer program they implemented. That in itself is one of the the many examples where I think West Coast as a business bounce back quickly. And we can tell where some of their strategies at, Peter. With with West Coast so fervent in their endeavours to convince Luke Jackson to be part of the rebuild or the frontal part of the rebuild, Nick Natanui already declaring. We see here on Monday. Well, I was, I was going to get to that. That got, uh, the ball got rolling after you declared that on Monday night on this program that Nick Natanui had personally endorsed Luke Jackson to come and he would use everything that he could to maybe lure him to West Coast. And all of a sudden the questions came flying at uh, Nick Natanui the day after at the Eagles press conference. Where did they come from? They came because yeah, Kim Hagelin floated it. Now, I need to get back to St Kilda okay, with you yeah, as yeah, well. Come back to that. Uh, but just to stay with the Nat Newey one and Jackson. Nat Newey has said that he, he will play as the backup ruckman to Luke Jackson. Now, if Luke Jackson wants to continue being and, and evolving toward being Melbourne's senior ruckman as Max Scorn goes through the tail end of his career, Max Scorn's another one. He's contracted for two more years yet with, with Melbourne. If he decides, yeah, okay, I'll go there. I don't have to play full forward much. I lead the ruck and Nick Natanui's mm. sitting on the bench waiting for my, for my interchange, for my recovery period. That could be quite a lure to him as well as about a million bucks a year. And also, West Coast have got the trade available. Fremantle would have to give up players, which, which would, I think, detract a, a little bit from their premiership and top four, regular top four attendance potential. Because it would have to be two or three players that are pretty handy. Lobb isn't, isn't conforming. I don't think Lobb's going well enough, but he'd have to be on the trade table. Griffin Logue would have to be on the trade table. <coughs> Tucker would have to be on the trade table, Darcy Tucker. They'd have to put three or four or five players up to the likes of a Melbourne to say, we can't, we haven't got to pick number one. We haven't got our first round draft pick next year that we can give you. So the trade is more appealing perhaps to West Coast. They've got to convince him in their sales pitch that we're going to contend very quickly. And I think they will. I don't think they'll be out for too long with the drafting this year. As long as they do get a Jackson, and to a lesser degree, the Liam Baker one is getting strong as well. Okay, we'll come back to that in a moment. We'll take a break. This is Drive with Peter Vlahos. It's AFL Football Team Selections Night with Kim Hagdorn. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. A lot of people sort of getting involved with the long-term deals. We need to move on because we've got to announce the teams, Frio yeah. and West Coast. Jack Darling, by the way, Hag's 250th <laughs> AFL game this 250th, week. 250th, yeah. Hasn't he been yeah. in the headlines and the last few weeks? Well, yeah. I'm surprised he hasn't done a media conference this week. Yeah. He's that sort of person. 250th well, game, 10th 
West Coast Eagles player to 250. Okay, we'll come back to that in a moment. But uh, Simon of Claremont says, I think long-term deal is good for the right player. What are the chances of the salary cap increasing over time, hence making a smaller percentage of the total player payments over time? How much has the salary cap increased over the last seven years? Added to that, let's talk about Angus Brayshaw because we're talking about Melbourne and a lot of their players on long-term deals. Mm. Angus Brayshaw is waiting to see what Melbourne offer him as well. Well, And they have to wait to see what they can offer Angus Brayshaw on the decision from Luke Jackson. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's part of it. And if there's this slightest hope, I don't think Angus Brayshaw is seriously on Fremantle's radar. But that's also because their priority is get Jackson. They're after Luke Jackson. So however much they're going to have to pour on to the likes of Luke Jackson, and, and, and we know it's, it's a $1.4, $1.5, $1.6 million a year for Luke Jackson for six or seven seasons. Mm. And I, I'm, with, uh, I'm with Simon there. You, you would pay it to him. This mm. kid's going to be a really good player. Could be Inj- anything. Injury forbidden. Yeah. You know, <laughs> let's, let's hope that, that he doesn't suffer anything and, uh, in time to come. But he would be worth it because I think he'd also be marketable. You get oh, no a Williton boy from East Fremantle back to lead your ruck in tandem with Sean Darcy. Well, they're going to stay in contention for the top four for several seasons in a row. That's, you'd pay that money. But how do they, pay, how do they come up with a deal? And, they, and I don't think they can have any, any significant, serious discussion with Angus Brayshaw until they know whether we're going to get Luke Jackson. Because they would, even though Mundy shouldn't be there next year, and Lobb should be gone as part of any Jackson deal. And he's on 800000 a year. The likes of Griffin Loke, he's only up four hundred grand a year, but he's going to want to go somewhere else on more money. So the money would clear up to go for Luke Jackson, and then there's not much left, if anything, for Angus Brayshaw. So he then stays, I think, as part of uh, Melbourne's continued presence around the top part of the ladder. Okay, let's have a look at the uh, Richmond West Coast game and, of course, followed by Fremantle and Port Adelaide. We've got the uh, ins and the outs. But firstly, as we said, Jack Darling plays game 250 for the West Coast Eagles and that in its own right, it's an outstanding achievement. This is what the coach had to say. Yeah, look, he's been so reliable. Uh, when you think about how quickly he's got there, I, I can't remember how many games he's missed under under my coaching. It'd be, it'd be under 10. So... He's probably got another 50 to 100 more, you would have thought. So, um, yeah, and he's, he's obviously been very resilient um, on field and then off field. You know, sometimes he gets, uh, you know, he gets a bit of criticism and um, he doesn't let you down too often. And as Shep would know, he, um, he's a good teammate and uh, yeah, really proud of the fact he's achieved the 250 and um, he's done it so quick. Yeah, of course, that was just featured on Hayes and Marta. Of course, Brad Shepard, a special guest uh, before our program. 2015, he only played 15 games, Luke, uh, uh, Jack Darling. And I remember in March of 2015 writing a story that was uh, howled down by uh, Adam Simpson at the time. Was was very angry because we said that he would not play football until round 12 or 13 of that 2015 season. He had a serious uh, ankle injury and wasn't going to play until he's around about his birthday in June. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only time he's had less than, say, 20 games in a season. He might have had a 19. But since he was drafted, and we t- just touched on it there a moment ago, he was at that 2010 draft. So he, his debut was in 2011. He's hardly missed a game. He's about the third quickest to 250. It's only a matter of days behind the likes of McKenna and uh, Jakovic, Glenn Jakovic, who was the quickest mm-hmm. by about 
a few days before uh, Guy's birthday and now uh, Darling, uh, just short, you know, just 30. So And drafted in 2010 at pick number 26 because there were some reservations there about was. him, wasn't there? there a was. lot of other clubs thought, oh, I you thought know, he was a bit of a bad boy. Well, more so. Got himself into trouble a couple of times. A little times. bit more so. One at, at a school camp. At, at some, at some, Allegedly. But, but however, I got cornered at the 2009 draft when the news of that had gone around mm. by an Eastern States uh, consortium of, of sort of recruiters and coach. And they said, what do you know about this kid, Darling? I said, oh, look, you know, not much. You know, he's a good kid. He's going to be good, you know, in time to come. Big, hefty key forward. Yeah. We actually liked the idea that he had uh, two birds in the tent. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they were keen, but they didn't take him the next year when they could have. But, uh, look, uh, only averages the 12 disposals a game. He's kicked 467 goals. That's third on the all-time list for West Coast behind Josh Kennedy, who's only two short of his 700 now. Yeah, and I see his name to play against Richmond. I thought he might not travel this weekend and be fresh for the following week. And he averages 1.8 goals a game, does Jack Darling. It, it is a, an astounding and an and exceptionally impressive performance, his durability especially. Uh, and But I stay... I stay as a query on him because I still get think he gets lauded for a bit more than he should. Okay, so on the interchange, in, by the way, is True, Nat Nui, Petrevsky, Seaton, Edwards and Cully. Extended uh, list because they're playing on uh, Sunday, the West Coast. Lisa, we'll come to you in a moment, but this is what Adam Simpson had to say about uh, True and in particular Jai Cully, who played in the uh, Waffle Eagles last week. Oh, not at this stage. He'll, he'll come over as a traveller just to get the experience. We, we like to... Um give opportunities to those uh, younger players just to get the, the travel and the the buffet that used to get all of us back in the day. Hey? <laughs> got me all the time. <laughs> some, some more than others. Um, I'm still trying to work out why they've got uh, apple crumble for dessert for AFL players. But that's, that's another story. Um, so, yeah, we get get used to the travel with the team and, um, you know, and he might be um, a good right-hand man for Truy as well. So that, that'll be uh, part of the experience and the growth. So Jai Cully will go there as a travel experience. And, of course, True looks like starting. Hates. Yeah, no, and, and named in the team, named on the half-forward flank. Uh, I did hear today that he was going to play. Um, and it is part of that sort of balance that Simpson's talked about often to balance uh, bringing back, you know, guns and big names and, and, and big performers for the club over the, over the last decade or so, and particularly under Adam Simpson because he's shown a lot of faith in people like to swing that Newey back in or to swing a Shuey straight back in, Yo straight back in, all those sorts of moves. He shows a lot of faith in those boys. But uh, to just balance it, to throw in a kid, I'm not so sure that True's form with the Waffle team has been all that wonderful, but he is... He's a top-end draft pick, and you've got to get them in there as quickly as you can and blood them and play. hopefully play a handful of games before the mm. end of the season, along with one or two others. Just looking at that interchange uh, from a bunch of eight, Peter, I still th- I think Rotham would still play. Petrocelli would still play, although I think he's in horrid form. Uh, Hoff, and then one other, probably West so, or Petrovsky seaton No Witherton, no Gull- Cully, and I think uh, Adam Simpson's actually effectively said that there. He's only yeah. going for the experience. And Nor Edwards, although he had an outstanding, amazing games in, in the waffle last week, but he doesn't do it consistently enough. They might need another tall player in defence, though, to play because of the likes of Lynch, Rewalt and Soldo. And, uh, well, yeah, see, Richmond tend to camp Soldo down the front, and even Nancurvis at times camps down the front end when he's not on the ball rucking. Uh, so they might need another one. But I think the likes of Yo and Hearn will probably have – and Bazo. He'll have a pretty important job. You'd probably play Bazo on, on Rewild. Yeah, I, I think it's a matchup. Yeah. I thought he was good last week. Hello, Lise. Thanks for being patient. 
That's okay, Peter. Hi, hi, hi Lisa. Hi, Kim. I didn't realise you were there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, Kim. I just stay silent in the background and listen to you guys. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, just just uh, on um, Nick, um, Curios and um, a bit on the Eagles. Um, Curios is so frustrating. He's he's just got such amazing talent, that guy, and I just don't understand why he just can't come out, play a game of tennis instead of worrying about what the crowd's saying, you know, having to go at the linesman and the umpires. And then, and then the other night I couldn't believe when he turned around when he, and spat at the people. Like, this is just this is just going too far, I think, you know, and something really needs to be done about him because giving him a fine is not doing anything. Um, I, I don't know, guys. I, I just got no answers of, of what they need to do, whether they need to tell him to just buzz off, you know, for a couple of years or whatever and, and until he decides to pull his head in or grow up or something because, yeah. because it can't continue. It, well, just, he's, he's, it, he's, he's getting a bit uh, worse, actually. And, in fact, I read an article in The Australian this morning. Pardon me, I couldn't remember who wrote it. But it was it was a fair article saying that maybe the All England Tennis Club just say, mate, this, it's oh, unacceptable. It's, it's, Get on a plane it, and go home. It's time that someone did that full stop. Yeah. I mean, he's a disgrace. I, I've... I've you don't act like that. And also going to, a, going to a press conference and having your lunch. Did you oh, say and, that? And the cat pulled down. Look, he, he he's a disgrace. It is derelict of tennis officials to allow him to play on official circuit uh, mm. uh, events. They they lack the guts to get rid of him. If he wants to carry on like that, well, go and carry on like that in a private arrangement where people have paid money to come and see you carry on like that. He's a disgrace, and especially at Wimbledon, as you say, Peter. But I, I'm I'm tired of ever being brought into discussions on Nick Kyrgios yeah. because he's such a disgrace. He, he is disgrace. He's pathetic, and now I think it's almost deliberate because that's that's all that he can offer. I, I'm not not entirely sure I agree with you, Lisa. I think there's some raw talent, but he hasn't got the guts to get himself fit and healthy to last five five matches, four or five days in a row to get into. He'd never get into the second week. Mm. Of, of a big tournament because well, he, he lacks the guts to get fit and healthy. He's playing a Serbian fella tonight, so we'll see how he goes. And quickly, Lisa, you want to chat about the Eagles, do you? Yeah, um, Haggis, you were saying about um, Jackson and and you spoke about Baker. Yep. Can the Eagles pick pick up the both of them if they can? If they can, they they it, again, it'd have to come down to deals. I, I think the priority is Jackson. Uh, I think the Baker one uh, has clearly leaked out because it's a bit of a backup, and also they should have enough players in their list already that they were developing for the Le- the Liam Baker type of role. But his versatility is uh, is certainly appealing. Uh, I think he's a lesser chance. Their priorities is to try and get Luke Jackson. If they can't, then they'll get someone like a Liam Baker. Both, I doubt they'd get both. Okay. Good on you, Lee. Thanks for uh, giving us a call. We're going to go to a break. And as we go to the break, this is what Damien Hardwick said about uh, the news and, of course, all the conjecture regarding Liam Baker, who has been talked about as possibly even a target for one of our sides. So you're listening to Drive with Peter Vlahos and Kim Hagdorm. Here's Damien Hardwick as we go to the break. Oh, look, I'm confident. You know, he's such an important player, both on and off the field. He's a, he's a, he's a superstar. He's a guy that, you know, we, we brought across as a rookie, been overlooked in a couple of drafts, but just has been a, an outstanding player, both on and off the field for, for what we do. He's one of those guys, there's not many of them, that as soon as you see Liam, you start smiling. He's just one of those people it makes you feel great about life so you know Blair Hartley will work his way through that but we love him our fans love him oh he knows you know Blair you know this sort of player is an important player to us no question pay the man Blair <laughs> The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos Toolmark your complete tool centre proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years 
And just before we move on to Fremantle, if Jack Darling is the captain of the Eagles forward line, of course, celebrating his 250th AFL game this week at the MCG against Richmond, then Josh Kennedy is the lieutenant because he's been outstanding, uh, just uh, declaring and repeating that he's being managed this week. He won't be travelling, but we've been mentioning that uh, a few weeks ago that he looks like now... Uh, on his way out, will only play the home games. Yeah, no, we, we, I think we've sort of flagged that a few times, Peter. Uh, again, it's been held down in other areas that uh, oh, Josh is a champion. You never write a champion off. Uh, he's got a knackered knee. He, he, it's been brave of Josh Kennedy to get up as regularly as he has in 2022, Peter. Uh, he spends the whole week recovering. Uh, he, he can't even go to the park with his kids with his little daughter and, and have a bit of a run around, bit of a bit of fun without it uh, stinging the knee and then reminding himself, oh, I've got to just go easy, got to get through to play again on the weekend. You will find he'll only play the, the home games. We, we said last week we'd be surprised if he goes to play against Richmond at the MCG. As much as he'd like to play one more game on the MCG, not going to get there. Uh, he'll play Carlton next week. He needs two goals for 700 at West Coast because he kicked 11, remember, mm. at, uh, at Carlton. Carlton in his opening 22 games. And then it's Hawthorne in round 18 back at the MCG. You know, I think the plan is, and the plan's been in place for a couple of weeks now. Josh met with club officials two or three weeks ago and said, look, let, let's do it this way. I will not go on next year. Let's work away. And the club said, well, let's work the best way to, to farewell you. We want to farewell you in Perth as opposed to, you know, having a, a breakdown game in the East, for instance, with that knee that could blow out at any moment. So I don't think he'll go for round 18. St Kilda round 19, Gold Coast away in round 20, and Adelaide in round 21 here in Perth as the last West Coast home game for the year. Uh, the Derby is round 22. That's Fremantle's home game. And then Geelong down at Geelong. So Josh Kennedy will finish at the stadium at the end of a very, very accomplished career with West Coast. And he's being managed this weekend to make sure he plays against Carlton next weekend. But he has got, genuinely, a crook knee. Yeah, outstanding footballer. Frio Port Adelaide, 320 is that game on Sunday. Just having a look, in is Wilson, Walters, Blakely and Sturt. And added on the extended interchanges of the likes of Collier, Logue, Banfield and Hughes. Of course, uh, the final game of the round and... uh, the squad will be trimmed come Saturday. Frio, how do you see them? Uh, an important game for them. Oh. They should beat Port, but uh, after last week's showing, who knows? Well, I think they're under siege, Fremantle. They're under siege from some of us that actually assess where they're at, uh, more at, more honestly, I think, than a lot. But I think they're under siege because they've got Port here. And I think it becomes, it's crazy to say, it's fourth against 12th. It's crazy to say that this is a critical game. And I think pivotal to both the respective sides for the where they want to finish in the in September. Free, Fremantle have to win to stay in contention for a top four finish and Port just have to win yeah. to stay in contention for finals. You'd have to think so, if Port go down, that could be it. Oh, I, I think so. I think so. However, Port have been in pretty good form in recent time, Peter. They've won seven of their last nine. After starting with 0-5, only Geelong and Collingwood are similar with seven of their last nine to Port. So their form, they bring form to Perth. And the other thing that worries me a little bit about Port, with the danger that they can cause Fremantle, Burn Jones, Gray, Fantasia, Cleary, mm. they're all ins to Port, which gives them a bit of firepower through Fantasia, Gray, 
and Burn Jones and Cleary give them firepower and defensive power down the back end, and they didn't have that last weekend. I, 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 I see this as a real problem for Fremantle. More so, they're under siege because of from the whole competition now for how Carlton exposed them last week. And Carlton exposed Fremantle with their heavy buffeting around the contest and just won all the contested ball. Port are very good at that. I don't think Port finished that well, and I think Port are a bit compromised in Charlie Dixon having to play in the ruck as backup to uh, Jeremy Finlayson. Well, they're both key forwards. So if they're having to spend time up on the ball, and then when they go back to full forward, they're both buggered, that could help Fremantle overall, I think, because even if Port do win a fair amount of ball, and when you look at those the contests around the middle of the field, Peter, you know, Rosie, Boak, Wines, Eamon, Houston, Pal Pepper in terrific mm. form, as up against the likes of Brayshaw, Sarong, Brody, Mundy and Fife, Hughes on a wing, uh, if he holds his spot, Aish still doubtful. Is uh, James Aish didn't uh, didn't train down at uh, at Coburn today, so Port have got the capacity to take it to Fremantle in a similar manner, that brutal manner, which Car- with which Carlton did last week, and it brought Fremantle unstuck. So that's where Fremantle they've got the chance to rebound, and I think they should. I think they should beat Port, but watch for this to happen too, Peter. Like it or not, Nathan Fife needs to spend less time in the midfield because of what – and if Fremantle have learnt something in the five days since they got beaten and beaten up around the ball by, by Carlton, one of them is that Fife is not a main player in there for them. Their success was built this season on the likes of uh, Brayshaw averaging his 31 possessions and four clearances, Will Brody 27 possession average and six clearances a game. Well, he had one last week because he didn't get as much time mm. back in there this last week, but not Fife's first week. Sarong, 26 possessions and three clearances and even Monday. There's not enough room in the midfield for Fife to spend a lot of time there. So I think we need to watch that. He needs to spend more time forward. And with Lobb in particular and Tabin are so unreliable, he needs to become a reliable forward. But he can't kick goals. He's not a reliable goal kicker, not a reliable kick. He had one effective kick last week in the six kicks he had, Nathan Fife. So that will be a problem for them on Sunday as well. However, I think they'll work around Fife and utilise him to the extent where it helps him be more beneficial to the team overall. But it's not as a regular attender, attendee at the centre circle ball-ups. And what they need to do is what they've done at Optus Stadium and at times away, just take the game on. Run and take the game on. Last week And it was, should be fine. That'll help that one. Yeah, and last week that was complete opposite. And the acid will be on Monday and Fife, who have been certainly below par in the first couple of weeks, even though Nat Fife says, uh, give me six weeks. Well, I'm not sure, Free, I've got six weeks up their sleeve to give Nat Fife. He needs to start hitting the scoreboard and also hitting um, the stat sheet and, and getting Fremantle more of the footy as of now. If... If Nathan parked his ego in the locker before he ran up on the stadium on Sunday, it's a big if, and was willing to accept secondary and third-level roles a bit more forward, out on a wing, uh, waiting for a reception as, as they spread as opposed to trying to be around the ball. Now, that's where he's played his whole career, and that's where his ego wants to be. If someone can get to him and say, look, if, you, if it's going to take six weeks, Nathan, you're going to have to build into it by playing a different role. Our kids are what got us to 10 and 3 before you came back, in my opinion. That's a big if. Injury checks, though, still still keep an eye on. Will Brody sore as hell after last week because they copped a buffeting, the mm. Fremantle boys. Alex Pierce, more trouble, always trouble with that ankle of his. Brennan Cox, 
light duties today, very light, just walking around, light duties, kicking. And Sarong and Aish, not even seen. So, again, cop the buffeting around from the Carlton Boys, around the ball from the Carlton Boys last week. Keep an eye on them. The extra day is going to be very helpful, but there's no guarantee that they're going to come up. And I think when you look at some of the, uh, the interchange from Peter, they're clearly looking at, at these blokes being on standby. Blakely on a standby. The likes of Sturt and Croden, who was the uh, what do you call the sub yeah, again last sub. week? Yep. They're all sitting back. I think I think Collier had a horrendous game. He should be dropped, but uh, having lost Liam Henry, Collier just might hang in there. But certainly Logue's not going to miss out. Banfield's not going to miss out. Hughes was okay on a wing, uh, and one other Walker's not going to miss out. There's there's your four interchange, and one of the others clearly. They're either on standby because they've got injury problems to worry about before Sunday's ball up, uh, or one of them's going to be the, the sub. Great to see Michael Walters back as well. We're going to take a break. Yeah, Jordan Ngoi is back as well. Uh, this is what Craig McRae, as we go to the break, had to say about the man that's certainly been in the news over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, Jordan trained really well. I'm sure you saw him train. He's, he trained with high energy. He trained with high energy the other day. Looks like he's in a good place to perform well. Yeah, yeah. Look, you know, he stepped in. He's had a bit of time to. I, I caught up with him on Monday, and he, he um, yeah, he seemed like he was in a good place. He was ready to come back. He had to deal with, this, you know, everything that was going on, and um, comes back full of energy. What are the sorts of conversations you have with him, and the expectations for the remainder of the season? Oh, look, I just I want him to get into it and just be himself, to be honest, and keep growing and learning, and you know, not only his football, but all the stuff outside of footy as well. And he's been doing a lot of work on that, and we've seen growth, but clearly we've got more to do. Do you talk about a contract and maybe next season with him on Monday? No, I don't. And I, I'm hopefully not going to talk about anyone's contract, not just Geordie's, but, but I do talk about what the next 10 weeks looks like or whatever the rest of the season is. And it's about just trying to perform at his best and, and give to the team and be a good teammate. As a coach, are you confident that he's been sincere about his remorse for his actions and he's committed to, to turning a bit of a corner personally? Uh, well, I, I don't know how you rate sincerity. How do you even pronounce that? Sincerity? Yeah, oh, I don't know. How do you rate that? Um, yeah, I just you just trust people's word, and, and I, I'm a big on honouring your word. You say something, do something. So, you know, we just get held account to what we say. Craig, it was reported over the weekend that you were happy about the way he was treated during this period. Did you, did you notice that when you met with him on Monday? No, no, not at all. No, I met with him and his manager, and um, to be honest, it was about moving you know, parts to be able to then step forward, and that's all the conversations we had. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Well, the Friday night game, let's jump on to that, is Carlton and St Kilda. It's at Marvel Stadium. A lot has been said about St Kilda on the back end of what was said on this program on Monday. They called a press conference on Tuesday. And the two players that were in question, Bradley Hill and, of course, Patrick Ryder, are both in for the Saints this week in their all-important game against the Blues tomorrow night. They've made five changes. Sharman, Long, Joyce, Patton and Burns have all been omitted. They've been dropped by St Kilda after that feeble effort last week. So and, and hasn't, Higgins, been a, hasn't been a good week for them. No, Higgins has to go back in. One thing I'd like to say about I, – I, I rate Paddy Ryder. He's a good fella. Paddy Ryder was more trying to be uh, – in. he was trying to curtail and settle everything down. He certainly wasn't involved in any uh, in any of the – Physical activity mm. that took place, but certainly Brad Hill was. There was a skirmish and he was involved. And the security apparently were pretty upset at Brad Hill's behaviour. Uh, and then there was some talk of, I, I think that, I think some some racist comments were made, uh, mm. which, which particularly inf, inf, infuriated the likes of Brad Hill and justifiably. However, it was a public 
skirmish of some kind. There was some altercation. So they're back in, and that's important because Hill's been really important to just how they play. And Paddy Ryder's, oh, look, Rowan Marshall's out. So I, I like him. He's yeah. good. But they're just so inconsistent, St Kilda, with some of their big names. They get lauded. They're a bit like, you know, here in Western Australia where blokes get lauded for do, do not doing lost, too much. Gee, they've lost their way. I reckon yeah. about six, seven weeks ago, I was saying they could be the real thing. They could finish in the top four, but it's all gone to – Muck. Well, they won five of their first six, Peter. Then went down by one port, one point to Port. Then went down to Melbourne at the MCG by thirty by, by, by five goals. But then beat Geelong. Then beat Adelaide and North. And then since then they've lost their next three. So they've lost their way. I, I thought the dropping of uh, of Higgins, Jack Higgins, was as baffling initially as. Righty, Pat, Paddy Ryder managed, mm. and you've got to beat Sydney. Please, something's not right here. Something's not right with Jack Higgins being dropped either. And he'd kicked a couple of goals the game before. That was really strange. So secure to go on the mat tomorrow night. I thought the way Carlton just – they were just so bullish, and, and the bullish nature at the congestion with with the way they beat Fremantle last week, that'll be too much for, for St Kilda tomorrow night. However, Adam Chera, of course, back. Back, yeah, yeah. He, very close for last week to play mm. against Fremantle. But he gives them another – Around the world, I don't think he's one of the big uh, antagonists. Not not like Kennedy and and Hewitt and Cripps. He's a bit more like Walsh, where he actually just breaks from that heavy uh, going and gets out and, and makes the play. But he's he's also a good insider as well. So he adds to that. Carlton should beat St Kilda, I think, quite comfortably tomorrow night. And then and the likes of Charlie Kerno and and uh, Harry Mackay against Wilkie Battle Howard. Google Howard, oh, they could get monstered themselves yeah. down in front of all the congestion. Okay, let's have a look at some of the other games just quickly before we get your selections. Essendon and Sydney. You think Sydney will win that quite yeah. comfortably? Melbourne should dispose of the Crows at the Adelaide Oval. And, of course, Geelong will be too strong for North but, Melbourne. But tell me about Gold Coast and Collingwood with Jordan cool. Dugowie back. Well, Dugowie back, uh, you would think, and, and losing uh, – how Jeremy Howe is, is a blow, mm-hmm. but uh, the, the going back, you'd think he'd play an absolute blinder because this could be a pretty open game. I don't know if there's anyone that – and Collingwood might not even bother putting anyone on the likes of Took Miller uh, and go head-to-head with the likes of Adams and Crisp uh, and and now to go back in around the ball. Jamie Elliott having his turn there. I've got a question mark on this. I'm not convinced absolutely that Collingwood win this. If it was in Melbourne, I'd be thinking, yeah, I think yeah. Collingwood would win at the MCG. But Gold Coast, they've won five of their last seven, Peter, and their losses were to the Bulldogs by 19 points down at Ballarat and Port by two points at Adelaide. Mm. So that's pretty good form from Gold Coast. I think they'll take it to Collingwood. But Collingwood have just got so much in front of them. that They have to now accept, well, crikey, we need this on the road because Collingwood, they've won their last five. It's just about the form team of the competition. Fremantle, Carlton, Hawthorne, Melbourne. They beat Melbourne in the Queen's birthday, and then they beat GWS. And GWS took it to them last week, but they hung on. And the way they finished was impressive. But Gold Coast, North Melbourne, Adelaide, Essendon. They could win those, all those four. Absolutely. And then Port at the MCG. It's not Port in, in Adelaide. Mm, and Port be could be gone by then. Then Melbourne, Sydney and Carlton to finish with. So. Mm. Collingwood are in a position where I think they can get on a bit of a roll and push towards it. There'll be, there'll be the, the AFL industry will scream, you beauty, Collingwood are pressing towards the top four. Mm. And therefore, that helps run, uh, actually present the game. Okay. Uh, the other thing is, uh, GWS Hawthorne, of course, two are probably the also-rounds of the competition this season. Haggers, uh, your selections for this week? Uh, Brisbane tonight, I've gone Carlton. 
Sydney, Melbourne, Geelong in a percentage boost, Collingwood, Richmond and Hawthorne against Western Sydney. And it's uh, the Bulldogs 2-5-17 to Brisbane 1-5-11. Thursday night footy at quarter time. Uh, enjoy your footy this weekend, Hags. Thanks for your uh, great work this week. We'll look forward to your company on Monday. Thanks to our production team, Jimmy and Bray and Co. Thanks, Lee. Uh, we'll be back again uh, on Monday from 5.